In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence this day. We ask that you would renew us this day, that you would open our minds and our hearts to your presence. And we give you permission to take us beyond ourselves. Our Lady, Seed of Wisdom. Pray for us. Name the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So reading from the Gospel according to John. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, has made him known. This thing going? Doesn't seem like it's on. Is it? Can you hear me? Okay, that's solid. Well, it's actually not that important, but <laughs> as long as you can hear me. Obviously, we have heard those words of the Gospel of John millions of times. And John is reflecting upon this marvelous reality of the Incarnation. And you know, we've all asked the question, why did the Word become flesh? The Church has been reflecting on this question for 2,000 years. And it seems that the church gives us four reasons why the word has become flesh. The first is to save us by reconciling us with God. The second reason why the Word became flesh was that so we might know God's love. And the third, to be our model of holiness. And the fourth reason, which we'll spend this whole morning reflecting on, is to make us partakers of the divine nature. To make us partakers of the divine nature. In other words, to share in God's life. 
The Word became flesh so that we might share in God's life. The Incarnation is not merely a rescue operation. It's not God just being nice. It's not God even just being forgiving or merciful. The Incarnation is God revealing himself to us, opening his heart to us, and saying to us, here, take it. Take my heart so that we can become one. St. Basil says that the human being is an animal who has received the vocation to become God. St. Athanasius says that the Son of God became man so that we might become God. And one of my favorite quotes from St. Irenaeus, God is himself the life of those who participate in him. So what are they talking about? To become God. It sounds at the very least, maybe well-intentioned, but definitely heretical. <laughs> it seems like piety sort of gone over the limits. You know, in the Eastern Church, they talk about this a lot more than we do. And what they're referring to is this reality of divinization, or sometimes called deification, or in the Western Church, theosis. And what they are all articulating is really this process of transformation of our human nature by divine grace to live the life of God. It is a sharing in God's life, becoming God-like. This is always what the fathers of the church have understood as ultimately the Christian vocation to become God-like. You know, oftentimes we, we set our heights way too low. I just want to be a good religious, or I just want to be a virtuous person. God wants us to become like Him. You know, it's funny, many people think they are God by nature. <laughs> and hopefully you don't have to live with any of them. But we, of course, know and believe that we are not God by nature. But we believe that by grace and through grace, we are invited to share 
and partake in God's very life. This is so utterly profound. My vocation is to share in God's life. St. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, this is the will of God, your sanctification. I think, at least the way I understand it, sanctification is, is really the Western term that is describing the same reality of, of divinization. So what does this actually look like? You know, where, my, uh, where I grew up, there is uh, an older couple. Well, they're old. They're like 92. So it's safe to call them old. And they got married when they were, I think, about 20 years old. And they're both still alive. So they've been married for 70 years. And I always go and visit them when I'm home. And it's interesting, probably within the last 15 years, it's at the point right now where I can't even tell them apart. <laughs> like, they say the same things, but now they, they look the same. <laughs> I'm afraid to call Joe, Joe, because it could be Sally. So I don't even call them by name anymore. They literally look the same. They act the same. And they say the same things. And they both can't hear. <laughs> but what's interesting is in their living room is a picture of both of them on their wedding day. And it was very clear who Joe is <laughs> and who Sally is. But over the years, through living life together, they have become one. Literally, they have become one. And they've become one by allowing life to shape them and to form them. That, I believe, is the secret. And for us, we become one. We become divinized by God by sharing life with him. And by allowing life to shape us, to form us. But it's important that when we say life, we're not talking about some alternative life. We're not talking about some super spiritual life that ignores my humanity, or that never struggles, or that always has the right answer. We're talking about our real life as it really is. Because that's the only life that God wants you to share with him. And there's probably a part of us that doesn't really like that. Because we don't like at least parts of our life. Certainly we don't like our own frailty, our own weakness, our own brokenness. And there's a part of us that thinks we first have to fix ourselves before 
really any change or any transformation can occur. And yet the reality is your life, my life, as it really is, is God's greatest interest. And it's the way in which he will transform us. In which he intends to transform us. Provided, of course, we allow him. When we look at the, the lives of the saints, isn't this really the lesson of the saints? The saints responded to the grace God was giving them in the present moment, in their unique situation, with their history, with their personality, with their struggles. You know, it's no surprise that that God spoke to St. Ignatius through military terms because he was a soldier. And we said yesterday, thank God that St. Francis never tried to be like St. Benedict or that Mother Teresa never tried to be like St. Catherine. But what the saints imitated in each other was not things like literal details or trying to replicate the life of another, since so much of that was determined by things like culture and time, the state of the church, family. But what they imitated was their complete openness to God. their willingness to share everything with him and ultimately to trust God above everything and above everyone. You know, when I, what I most moved about St. Francis, it's not so much the things that St. Francis did but it was his total openness to God, to be led by God. That's what moves me about Francis. You know, if he wants to build snowmen, that's great. I'm not interested in that. If he wants to run through the streets crying, love is not love, that's great. I don't feel that call yet. But what I love about Francis is that he always said yes. He always said yes to God, even when it seemed crazy even when other people laughed at him. And I guess the question comes down to this. Do you believe that God wants to share his life with you? And not, not just a part of your life, but everything. You know, I think sometimes there's this mentality that God just wants to fix us and then just sort of put us somewhere and have us stay out of trouble. 
The Word did not become flesh to just have us sit somewhere and stay out of trouble. Pope Pius XI says this about St. Francis. He says, there has never been anyone in whom the image of Jesus Christ and the evangelical manner of life shone forth more lifelike and strikingly than in St. Francis. He who called himself the herald of the great king was also rightly spoken of as another Christ, appearing to his contemporaries and to future generations almost as if he were the risen Christ. Those are very bold words. I didn't make that up. It's Pope Pius XI. Rightly spoken of as another Christ. Appearing to his contemporaries almost as if he were the risen Christ. Such is the power, the beauty of holiness, of divinization. Such is the beauty of God's will, not just for Francis, but for each one of us. And I think when we, when we hear this, there can be this temptation to think, I simply can't do this. I have too much of a, of a past. Or I'm too selfish. Or I'm too broken. I'm too distracted. Well, that's the whole point. Of course you can't do this. And God's not expecting you to do it on your own. This is God's desire for everyone. This is not something you have to do. This is the divine invitation that's given to everyone at baptism. Yes, of course we're selfish. Of course we're broken. Of course we're sinners. Of course we're distracted. Of course, we're easily annoyed and agitated. But as 1 John says, God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Our own sinfulness, our own brokenness, because of the incarnation, these are no longer valid excuses for us. They no longer keep God away from us. The only thing that keeps God away from us is our own excuses. You know, in the Old Testament, there was this real, very real reality 
that one could not enter the temple depending upon certain circumstances or situations or certain sins. But when God becomes flesh, when the Word becomes flesh, He destroys that separation. He becomes one of us so that we can become one with Him. And in, in my own opinion, I think the reason why holiness doesn't always mature in us is because I simply think we spend way too much time looking at ourselves and not enough time looking at Jesus. You know, it's, a, it's amazing when you talk to young people, they actually think that social media is a reflection of reality. It blows my mind. Like they actually think reality is what social media, how it appears. And I want to say, are you serious? That's a, a two-second fabricated image that's actually not true anyway. They're not actually happy. They're just faking it. But they believe that that's the way life really is. And because this person looks happy on social media and I'm not, my life's miserable. Such an interesting time. We look at everyone and everything at times except Jesus. If we allow ourselves to get lost in His presence, transformation will occur. If Jesus is not the mirror in which we see ourselves, in which we see those who we live with, those who we minister to, we're never going to be fully transformed. We're never going to be fully healed. But if we allow his gaze upon us, it can't not have its effect. Because of this basic fact, love transforms the beloved into the lover. In other words, we become what we love. Or we become whoever it is our heart is most focused on, is most attentive to. You know, it's, it's impossible for two people who are deeply in love to be at the same time self-absorbed. Love and self-obsession cannot exist together. It's like warm ice. It doesn't exist. Love melts away our selfishness. Love quiets our fears. Love calms our anxieties. 
Love implies self-forgetfulness. And it's self-forgetfulness that receives God's love without arguing with Him. And it's God's love that divinizes us and transforms us. And all of this occurs, of course, over time, over a lifetime of being in love, of surrendering to love, and of trusting in love. Just like the way it transformed my friends who had been married for 70 years. God is so patient. He's so gentle and delicate in this process. He usually doesn't rush this with us. God, in many ways, is like a good therapist. A good therapist doesn't push or force their client to go somewhere they're not ready to go yet because it would be destructive. And God is the same way. His desire for us is divinization. And that begins with where we are today, right now. And everything and everyone we encounter today is part of that process. God intends to use everything, everything, for our transformation. Sometimes we can be too spiritual. God is using everything, every conversation, even the weather. God is using our frustrations. God is attempting to use. This is how desperate God is to desire for us. St. Maximus, the confessor, says that the spirit that is united to God by prayer and love acquires wisdom, goodness, power, Generosity, and in a word, that person bears the attributes of God. Our world today, as it always has been, but especially today, is in desperate need of God. Of course, it's important to preach, of course, it's important to serve. It's important to pray. But to the person who has become deified, Christ is, as St. Paul says, all and in all. In other words, he's, he's everything, and he's doing everything through me. There is no separation. This is why simply the way a holy person walks 
is a sermon. The way they eat lunch is a homily. The way they listen to somebody, the way they speak, because it's Christ who's doing those things in them. So sisters, this is our vocation. It's not simply to be religious. Being a religious is the path in which God has placed us on to become like him. And each one of us is completely unqualified for that. Which is why God has become man. So that he could take us to himself. And so that you and I can become one with him. And like St. Francis, become another Christ to one another and to this world. Amen. Amen.